Open your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua, the 24th chapter. Joshua chapter 24, as you're turning there, I'll add my welcome. Appreciate you all being with us this morning. Appreciate having visitors come our way. It is our um, intent to serve God, to worship Him as He has instructed us to do on this, the first day of the week. And we are, we try to attempt to do so reverently and in proper order. And we hope that you are encouraged um, by the worship here this morning. I wanted to speak this morning uh, about traditions. Traditions are a part of our lives. We have family traditions. We have school and work traditions. We have traditions as a, as a nation. And other nations have their traditions. And there's even ethnic and, and cultural traditions we're quite familiar with, with these. But what are they? What, is it, what do traditions mean? Well, let's look at some definitions here. Uh, from an English standpoint, the word tradition means the transmission of custom or beliefs from generation to generation. The Greek word uh, that is translated as tradition is paradosis, which means uh, giving over or handing down. So if we kind of put those things together, we can understand that a tradition is a giving over or a handing down of customs or beliefs from generation to generation. So we understand what traditions mean. But we also understand that because of that, a lot of what we believe and the customs and the things that we do are done because they've been passed down to us. They are traditions that either our older family members or older people in our lives had, and they've passed those down to us through either the oral tradition, what they've said, or what has been written. And traditions appear in Scripture as we, as we would expect. And because they do, because we see traditions in Scripture, it's important for us to understand them and have the proper understanding of traditions. In some cases, they are essential in carrying out God's plan. Many times, they don't really matter either way, one way or the other. We see things in Scripture, traditions, and we'll look at some examples of each of these that don't really matter one way or the other when it comes to our spirituality, our faith. But in other cases, they undermine God's will. They supplant the Word of God. And that's a very dangerous thing. And those are the kinds of traditions we need to be on the lookout for and make sure we're not following those kinds of traditions. So let's take a look at how uh, traditions are sometimes helpful and sometimes they're detrimental to God's plan for his children. Let's begin by understanding when traditions are helpful. And when traditions are helpful when they come from inspired men. Moses was chosen by God to be the first leader of the children of Israel, to lead them out of Egypt into the land of Canaan. Many of the things he did and said became tradition for the children of Israel. And Joshua, in giving his final instructions to the tribes of Israel as they are settling into their lands, he tells them to remember the things that Moses has said. In chapter 22 of Joshua, uh, beginning of verse 5, he says, Only be careful to observe the commandment of the law, 
which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to love your God uh, and to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and hold fast to him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Joshua is telling them to remember the things that Moses had handed down. To keep God's commandments, to serve him, to worship him, to serve him with all your heart and all your soul. He goes on to tell them about the kinds of traditions that they should not follow. Jack read for us there, verses 14 and 15, the final uh, of chapter 24. His final statements here of Joshua to the children of Israel. He tells them to choose which traditions you're going to follow. Are you going to follow the tradition of serving gods uh, like your fathers did in Egypt on the other side of the river? Or are you going to serve God? Are you going to follow the traditions that Moses has handed down to you in serving God? They were told to choose between the evil traditions of their fathers or the righteous commandment of the Lord. When traditions are written down in Scripture, they are beneficial to us. They are helpful to us. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16 says, Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. We have traditions that are in Scripture, the old paths. That's something that we should ask for. That's something that we should seek after. Those are the kind of traditions that are helpful to us. Scripture establishes certain traditions that God expected to be observed and then handed down to future generations. We talked about the covenant of the circumcision. If you want to turn there in Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Here's an an establishment of a tradition that would serve the children of Israel for generations. We have here in chapter 16 the the establishment of the circumcision covenant. Chapter 17 of Genesis, beginning verse 6, And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and, and you throughout their generations, an everlasting covenant to, to, be God, uh, to, to God and to you and to your descendants after you. And I will give to you, to your descendants after you, the land of your sojourning and all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. And I will be their God. For God said further to Abraham, now for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Here's a tradition that was appointed by God given to Abraham, and told, keep this tradition throughout your generations. This is a sign between me and you. We have New New Testament examples as well. When we think about traditions, a lot of times we like to think about the Old Testament, because it is old, the traditions that are there. But we have traditions in the New Testament as well. It's pretty old, too. 1 Corinthians 11, beginning of verse 1 Paul says, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. There's right there in that statement the idea of generational, passing down traditions through generations. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. 
Now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. Paul here is saying, I've told you these things. These are now traditions for you. You are to keep these. Further evidence in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or letter by us. Here's the establishment of these traditions in the New Testament. The teaching, the gospel that the apostles were going out with. These are now the traditions that men are to hand down to generation. Chapter 3 of 2 Thessalonians, verse 6, says, Now we commend you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you receive from us. Here's tradition. If there's a brother that's unruly, you know what to do. Keep away from that person. This is the tradition that's being established. Now you follow after it. Philippians 3 and verse 17 says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Here's the establishment. Here's the pattern. Now, let that be a tradition. You seek after that. Here's the tradition that you hold to, the pattern. With traditions, sometimes they, don't, they just don't matter. We see this with our Lord. He didn't keep traditions just for tradition's sake. There are some times that he participated, or at least was a part of, or somewhat engaged in some of the traditions that were going on. In John 2, we see him attending a wedding feast. It's a tradition. We know about weddings. We have traditions that we follow, depending on where you are in the world. In John chapter 10, we see Jesus at the temple during the Feast of Dedication. Now, to what level of uh, involvement, we don't know, but he was at the temple. The Feast of Dedication, we call that, these days we call that Hanukkah. This was a Jewish holiday commemorating the, commemorating, uh, the rededication of the Holy Temple, the Second Temple in Jerusalem at the time of the Maccabean Revolt against the Seleucid Empire, that ancient Grecian Empire. The Feast of Dedication later becomes Hanukkah, which is going to be celebrated here pretty soon, I think, by the Jewish faith. Jesus was at the temple during that time. Did he participate in it? But these are man-made traditions. They don't really matter. But he also had no problem breaking the traditions of men. He had no problem breaking those traditions that men had set up when they weren't keeping with God's laws. In Mark 2, there's the, the, the uh, event of the plucking of the grain on the Sabbath when his disciples were hungry. He didn't have any problem getting away from that tradition. In Mark 7, eating with unwashed hands. We're going to look more about Mark 7 here in just a moment, but this eating with unwashed hands, the, the Pharisees had these rituals of washing and cleansing themselves. That was made up by them. Jesus didn't participate in that. He had no inkling to. These are man-made traditions. He had no problem not participating in those. Jesus recognized the authority of Scripture. That's why when he was tempted by the devil, 
Remember what he said? It is written. When he's refuting what the devil is trying to tempt him into, he's not relying on men's traditions. He's relying on scripture. He's relying on what God has said. It is written. And he also, of course, recognized his own authority. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He recognized that he had the, the, his own authority. God had given it to him. He doesn't have to rely on the traditions of men. He goes on there in verse 20, as he's commissioning his disciples, he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Here's the passing down. Here's the establishment of the new covenant. Now you go out and pass that on to other generations. Traditions are meaningless if they refer to something under the old law or they are set up by uninspired men. Look with me over in Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> One of the problems that the apostles had were those trying to cling to old parts of the law. And some of these old traditions that the Pharisees had set up. Paul puts it in perspective here in Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. It says, therefore, let no one act as your judge in regarding to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. We want to look to where we have our traditions. We look to Christ. We look for the law that he has set up. We look for the traditions that he has instituted and the apostles passing those along to the next generations. Make no mistake, traditions that are established by God are essential in serving him properly. Those established by men are meaningless. But sometimes those traditions that are established by men can be harmful. Look with me. In Colossians 2, look up in verse 8. It says, See that no one takes your, you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than what? Rather than according to Christ. Be careful. Be aware. Be on guard. But there are some who will try to take people captive through deception by deceiving them of their own, by their own traditions. Paul says to be careful of that. Let's consider further how our Lord deals with this. Look over in Mark chapter 7. Here in Mark chapter 7, this is a beautiful example of what I've been talking about, how our Lord handles it. In Mark chapter 7 here, in verses 1 through 5, I mentioned they're dealing with the, the issue of unwashed hands. Let's read verses 1 through 5 of Mark 7. It says, And the Pharisees and some of the scribes gathered together around him when they had come from Jerusalem. 
and had seen that some of his disciples were eating, uh, eating their bread with impure hands, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they carefully wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they cleanse themselves. And there are many other things which they have received in order to, uh, in order to observe, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and copper pots. And the Pharisees and the scribes ask him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with impure hands? Here's the issue right here, isn't it? Here's the issue of traditions being handed down by men. These ceremonial washings, and the washing their hands and the vessels, all these things that are handed down by men, not by God. And Jesus takes the opportunity to contrast this, the traditions of men and the traditions of God. Look what he says in verse 6. And he said to them, Rightly did Isaiah prophet, uh, prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This my people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men, Verse 9, he was also saying to them, you nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. Jesus puts it in perspective, doesn't he? He establishes the idea here that uh, vain worship, of worshiping God out of earthly traditions rather than out of heavenly commandment. And these kind of traditions are harmful for, for three reasons. First of that is that they can lead to ritualism or repetitiveness. Look back there in verse 6. It says, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. They're doing the things, they're saying the things, but where's their heart? Their heart is far from God. Traditions can push us towards doing things ritualistically. Think of how many things get started and, and, and continue in that way. You ask people of, of the world why it is that they observe certain holidays, certain religious holidays. Well, we've just always done it this way. That leads, those errors can lead to a tradition that's not rooted in God's Word. And once they get started... Repetitiveness can come in, and then all meaning is lost. You're just going through the motions, just doing it because we've always done it this way. It's dangerous. Why? Because God wants us to worship him from the heart. We can't do that if we're simply going through the motions. Men, I'll encourage us right now. We gather around the table, or we're leading prayers, we're leading this worship, we need to do so from the heart, not out of repetition, not because we've just always done it this way, not because this is the way we've always said this prayer, but because it comes from the heart and an understanding of God's will. We can't do things if we're just, we can't do things properly if we're just going through the motions. God expects us to worship him from the heart. And that leads to the second reason man-made traditions can be harmful. 
and that is they can lead to vain worship. Look back at verse 7. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. When the precepts of men are given the same authority as the commandments of God, vain worship has taken place. Empty, meaningless worship. Look back in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Does that give us a clear understanding of which traditions we should be following? Those of God or those of men? If we cast out demons, if we say we're doing all these things in the name of God, what does Jesus say about that? He says, I don't know you. If you're not doing it according to God's will, it's in vain. It's empty. It's meaningless. Only that which is authorized by God is accepted by God. So when we look to see how we are to worship God, he's told us. He's told us how we are to worship him. That's the only kind of worship he's going to accept. Anytime we rely on our own wisdom and ignore God's words, we are invalidating scripture. And that's the third point I'd like to make with you this morning. Invalidating scripture. This is the third reason the traditions can be harmful. Look here in verse 10 of our reading. It says, For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, If a man sees to his uh, father or his mother, anything of mine you might have been helped by is Corban, that is to say, given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as this. The Pharisees were handing down their own traditions. They were getting further and further away from God, further and further away from the law of Moses. They were allowing people not to help their parents by letting them claim that that whatever they might have helped their parents with has been set aside, has been dedicated to God. In other words, sorry, I, I can't give you this, this money, mom and dad, or this food, mom and dad, because I've set that aside for God. That's what Corbin means. I've dedicated that to God. So I can't fulfill this other command about honoring mother and father because I've dedicated that to God. It's pretty handy, isn't it? You think the IRS would accept that kind of argument? You think the government would accept, oh, well, I put this money over here in, in this account. That's, that's dedicated to God, and I'm not going to pay you taxes on that. Just deciding of ourselves to do that. The IRS is not going to accept that. Notice verses 8, 9, and 13. 
neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. You nicely set aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. In verse 13, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down and you do many things such as that. The Pharisees had supplanted the word of God by their own traditions. And Jesus is calling them out on it. Relying on the traditions of man invalidates the word of God. How much clearer can this be? How much clearer can it be than what our Lord has just spoken here in Mark chapter 7? He summed it up, hasn't he? You're following after the traditions of men, you're invalidating the word of God. When we are considering if something is right or, or wrong in the sight of God, ask yourself this question. Is it from God or is it from men? If it's from, if it's from God, then it's right. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3, says, Man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. We want to know if something is right. We can look in God's word and find out. Unquestionably. So if you're asking yourself that question, is it from God or if it's from men? If it's, if it's from men, then it's not from God. Verse 7, but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the precepts of men. Hear that? Supplanting God's word, supplanting doctrine with their own precepts, with their own thoughts, with their own traditions. It's dangerous. We are warned to be on the lookout of people like this. We are warned to be watchful when people want to supplant God's word with tradition. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 13, says, But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from your childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Paul here instructing the young evangelist Timothy to hold on to the doctrine that he knows. He has been taught from his childhood. He warns him that evil impostors will come along, deceiving and being deceived. When they're trying to tell you things that are out of step with God's word, be on the lookout for those. You hold on to what you know from your childhood goes on there in verse 16, the verse we know so well. All scripture is inspired by God. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, well equipped for every good work. All scripture. This is one of the times when I like some of the, the old King James or the new King James. All scripture is God breathed. I like that imagery coming out of the mouth of God 
The gospel is able to save our souls. It's able to divide bone and marrow. To be able to discern the thoughts of men. God's word can do that. If you're not a child of God, I encourage you to become one. If you're not a child of God, you might be holding on to some of those traditions of men. You're holding on to some of those teachings that are counter to God's word. It might be preventing you from surrendering in baptism, becoming a child of God. Or if as a child of God you find yourself wandering, confused about all the things that are in the world, and there are so many things in the world, and think about all the denominations that exist in the world, I've lost count of the number, it's in the thousands. All those are traditions of men that supplant the Word of God. The Word of God can tell you how to be pleasing to God. You don't need any other man-made doctrines, no creeds, nothing else on top of it. The Word of God. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. How clear is that? 1 Peter 3, 21. Baptism now saves you. That's pretty clear. If you are subject to the gospel call, or you need the prayers of this congregation, you can let that be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.